everybody doing today? Awesome. Well, we're continuing our series on uh, authority, and this has been just like eye-opening. I'm, I'm going to shake cages today, I'm pretty sure, but if you'll just stay with me as we, you know, we'll prove everything with the Word of God. That's the, the goal, um, uh, and so we, we love knowing God's Word. Last week, we, we started laying foundation, and uh, what we were going to even try to help address more this week. And uh, we're going to see in more detail where the enemy, the devil, Satan, Lucifer, where he gets his power from. And we've talked about that, but we want to see some things specifically. How many knows we're in a spiritual battle? Not just physical, but there are things happening behind the scenes. There are things that are, that are going on behind the scenes. And sometimes people just think, oh, that's just co- you know, coincidence. And, and there's things that the enemy is plotting and planning. If you, you know, you've heard that saying, if you don't plan your day, your day will plan you. And, and how many knows that's true? Sometimes that happens. Um, but it is really important for you to get a hold of this thing we call life. There's life and death in your mouth. You are able to take life by the reins, so to speak, and start living uh, the life you were created to live and live it on purpose. And so we understand about the spiritual things. But here's the thing. You and I have to exercise our spiritual authority against the devil to have victory in this life. If you don't exercise who you are in Christ, you're not going to have a victorious lifestyle. You're just not. Um, you know, there, you, you'll have that Charlie Brown syndrome. Why is everybody always picking on me? <laughs> we talked about how God spoke things. Again, I'm just pulling some things back out. He spoke things into existence and released that power. Now today, I'm going to be down front with Pastor Kim again. If there's anybody that needs prayer, I want to make sure that we are there and, and we can help pray for you. But he spoke and released things, and that's power. And it's important that we know that we don't always, as men, do we always follow God's example? Even in the Bible, there's all kinds of records where God said, do this. And they said, I don't think so. I think I got a better idea. They didn't keep their word. Men don't keep their word, do they? Well, as a, I'm not every man, okay? Let's just say that. <laughs> you know, sometimes, you know, we, we make everything general, and it doesn't mean everybody, you know, I'm just saying as a, as a whole man, meaning men and women, not just men. Say, somebody say, yeah? Yes, okay, good. All right, we're good. So we're just talking about human race. We don't always keep our word. Sometimes it doesn't mean much. Back in the day, we talked about how a handshake meant something. And I remember my dad teaching me how to, to shake hands. And you have to look them in the eye. And it has to be a firm handshake. And we practiced. Because he said, nobody wants to shake hands with a limp fish handshake. And I tried to ask him, what's a limp fish handshake? And I don't know if he ever explained that. But it was just one of those just like no grip, no look in the eye. And it was, you know, and it means something. It carries, it, back in that day, carried weight. Your word was your bond. We talked about that. There was integrity. Nowadays, many times, there is no integrity. <clears throat> if they don't like it, it doesn't turn out, or somebody does anything they don't like, they bail. They jet. See, I'm hip. Do you see those words? They bail. They jet. They leave. That's what those mean. They go a different direction than what they stated they would go. Psalm 15, 4 says, In whose days a vile person is despised, but honors those who fear the Lord, he who swears to his own hurt and does not change. Pretty interesting as you look at that, 
Um, right now, that's all on capital that you see. Well, okay, up here it is, and back there it is. But notice that he is, it's talking about God. He cannot, he cannot lie. He swore, he, he spoke, it, it's there. And it, he doesn't like that people don't always do what he says, and he can't change it. You need to understand, he won't change it. It says, to his own hurt. It is not his will that you live below what he wants you to live. But he can't change that. You have to change that. If you're a godly person, you are bound by your word. You should be. You should try to keep your word. Hebrews 6.18, that two immutable things in which it's impossible for God to lie. We might have strong consolation who have fled uh, for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. In Hebrews, let me just summarize like 1-3. His person is upholding all things by the word of his power. In other words, by what he, he put everything into existence. It, and it holds it together because he spoke it that way. Basically, dad said, God the father, dad said. And if he would ever lie, the universe would just cease to exist. It would explode. Things would just, nothing would, you know, it'd just be bad. His word cannot be broken, and he will not violate it. The more I've looked at this, it is just more of that. See, because we don't like to know that, because that means if God won't, then who's violating it? Maybe it's us. So when God said, you have dominion over the earth, you rule, you subdue it, that's what he meant. My, my folks, as, as me and my sister got older, they would go out. And they would leave my sister in charge because she was the oldest. You're in charge. I never liked that. But she would be in charge and she would enforce that by saying, Dad said. And if I didn't believe it, she would tell them what I did or didn't do. <laughs> and, uh, and consequences came with that. But. When God gave you dominion, that's exactly what he did. Psalm 82, 6. If we read that, it says he calls us gods, but not with a big G, not with a capital G, because he's not meaning like gods, but he meant just dominion. So it's with a little g for authority from that standpoint to rule the earth. You have control and authority. He said it. He's bound by it. He can't break it. And he cannot intervene if you won't take authority. We are the ones that give power and authority to the enemy when we yield or give in to him. Listen how quiet that is. Nobody likes that. Brett, say something we like. Pizza. (laughs) Nothing to do with the message, but I like pizza. We are the ones. Romans 6.16, do you not know to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey? You are the ones, slaves, whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. So what we've done in the past is give Satan power and authority in our lives by submitting to him. Then we, what we do is then we cry out to God for help. But you need to understand that God flows through people and so does the enemy. 
Ephesians 3.20, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. You need to understand, above all, above all that you ask or think. In other words, past what you can even think and ask. He can go back, he's past that. Listen to the next one. According to the power that works in God. Is that what it says? It's not what it says. According to the power that works in us. So in other words, we're kind of like the thermostat on that. We're connected to the power source, but we're controlling how much of it's going to happen. If you're asking God to help you while you're yielding to the enemy, you're limiting the help that can be provided for you by God using people. Why? Because you're submitting to the wrong side. It's kind of negates and cancels out. You're wanting God to intervene. Isn't that what we do sometimes? We want all the, we want our cake and ice cream too. Our pie and cake. I mean, just, some of y'all just need to eat dessert, right? And some, who are dessert people? Yeah. And then there's people that are savory people. Mashed potatoes, meat and potatoes, gravy people. Help me, Jesus. That's the good stuff. But, you know, sometimes just... We want our, we want all of the, just give me the. But we don't want to live for God. We just want God to come fix the situation. Then we want to go back to how we were before. See, what we're doing, we're empowering the enemy. I know it doesn't sound loving, but it's the truth. So many times we... We don't live or really even try to live according to the Bible in our giving, in our attendance to church, our lifestyle, our morale, or morality, or morally, however you want to put it, ethically. We say we love God, and we intend to do what's right. But we do the other thing. We open the door. And then we blame God. That's what we do. I mean, think about it. We're just, I was just teasing, well, not really teasing, but saying, you know, Amanda's is her first graduate, you know. You, you raise them. Think about what, what, what does God think? He creates man. Man goes on, raises kids who defy God. How does, how does he feel about that? I was just teasing the group back in the back. I heard a Christian comedian said that his daughter blocked him on Facebook. Lives with him in his house, blocked him on Facebook and whatever other social media. He said, so I returned the favor. I changed the locks on the doors. And so when she came home and knocked on the door, he goes, we're not friends anymore. And she's like, dad. I'm just saying, you know, that's what we do. We want to we blame God for everything. How could you, God, how could you let this happen? But God didn't let it happen. We let it happen. See, what happens is we, we want to have excuses. We want to have reasons. And I'm going to get to taking away my excuses, okay? So I'll get there. It's, it's very convenient to be a, a stadium judge, isn't it? 
Like if you're watching the football game on TV and we can be like, he was holding, he was holding. But we have the, the slow motion and we can see all that. But the referee down on the field maybe didn't see that and they have to look at the play again or whatever. But it's easy for us to say a lot of things. It's easy for people to tell you. Have you ever had people tell you how to raise your kids? We had people tell us how to raise their kids and we kind of disqualified it because they didn't have any. It's like somebody trying to give you, I'm going to give you advice on marriage, and they've been married 12 times. There's two sides of that. Maybe they learned something in 12 times, but probably not who I'm going to ask for advice. So, I mean, we, we end up saying, okay, God, and we, we just, we have these excuses, and we want to point our finger. And then we talked about these reasons. I just talked to somebody the other day. Well, he must have a reason for, for this. He's teaching me a lesson. I know God's trying to get my attention. He's teaching me a lesson. He works in mysterious ways, and we know that all things work together for good, and that is Scripture, but we tore that apart last week. You see, we just, all of these things, well, he's got a reason. I mean, come on, he's God. He does what he wants when he wants, whenever he wants. He's God. No, he's bound by his word. If you really believe that he can just do that and he'll just cause pain or put you in misery just to get your attention, that's trouble, my friend. Right here in Marion City. With a capital T and that stands for C and that stands for crap. I had to put that in again. I liked it so well. But what happens is when we go through stuff, we want to feel better. Something bad happens. And so we are kind of vulnerable. We're open to untruth, and that's when the enemy comes in, because you're hurting. And that's why I think it's important for the church to do our best job as we can, is just be loving. It doesn't mean to condone things, it just means to love. Because they're hurting. How many have ever been hurt and you just want it to go away? I mean, I think I can raise my hand. I just want it to go away. I just want the wound to be done. Sometimes it's just easier to opt out and just say, God. And we just reason, he must have he must had something. I shared with you last week uh, that our first child was a stillborn. And I know people meant well, and they said stuff to us like, um, God needed him in heaven. He picks the prettiest flowers for his bouquet. And I just, I didn't believe that to be true, but when you're hurting, you're like, you don't really know what to grab onto. You're hurting. You just have to kind of, sometimes you get numb. Does that make sense? You just kind of dull to it. But that stuff about God doing that, it's just not true. I may not have all the answers. I'm gonna say that one more time. I may not have all the answers, But I know what things are true. Good things come from my Father. Good things come from God. God didn't cause it. He is good. Pointing out God gave us dominion over the earth. We are supposed to be the rulers. All this power came from God and he delegated it to man. The enemy is out to kill, steal, and destroy. Now, I don't have all the answers for all of that stuff, but I do have trust. I know my wife didn't do anything for that to happen. I didn't do anything for that to happen. I don't have all of those answers. 
but I know my God didn't cause it. So where did the enemy get his power? How many knows he is our enemy? If you want to buddy up with the enemy, there's issues right there. So for us to be effective, if we're going to fight, we need to know some things like where did he get his power? What are his strengths? What are his weaknesses? In battle, opposing armies tried to learn what the strengths of their opponents were. They'd, they'd seen them in previous battles or they knew how they conquered something and they would try to find out what they did. So they say, well, they might not, you know, I can be on guard against this. Let's even go to nowadays. If you were a football coach and you're a pretty good coach and you're going up against a big game, you, you may exchange videotapes of the game prior of the teams and they watch, they get the strategies of the other team. Here's their type of defense. Here's what they do. This is maybe a weakness we can see. You got to know who you're fighting and what you're up against. And so what happens is, is we don't get into the word. So Satan gets a lot of credit where he doesn't deserve any. And he gets a lot from the church. Oh, the devil's just working me over. And I get it. I understand. But you know what? We have dominion. And I've had to correct myself. So I'm not throwing darts if you're like, well, I just say that all the time or I've said that recently. I'm not picking on you. I'm saying for myself. I'm not going to give him any more credit. Because if he's working me over, then I'm going to stop it because I'm tired of being worked over. Do you get it? Because I'm the one that puts a stop to it or I'm the one that keeps letting it go on. This, let me show you. Let me give you an example. This is me. So I'm just telling you some of my mistakes, not that you can go. I mean, you can use them against me if you want. <laughs> I'm just telling you. I have said this not long ago. Every time, and we're having Pastor Gary and Drenda back. We're, we're going to try to get them rescheduled, and you won't want to miss those services. Drenda is, she's like PK. She is a fireball. And she wants to promote her new book, um, Fight Like Heaven, I think is the title of that book. She's like, when can I do that? And I'm like, well, tell me when your schedule is and we'll get it done. So they're coming back. But pastor was here. He pulled me outside. He goes, man, Marion is not New Albany because that's where he pastors. You know, and I wanted to be like, okay, well, that's brilliant. Pastor Tim was here, and he said the same thing. That's Gary's son. Man, Marion is not New Albany. Pastor Amy was here, Gary's daughter. Man, Marion is not New Albany. Uh, Amy's husband, Jason. Boy, Marion's not New Albany. Pastor John was here when we were doing kids' ministry. Boy, Marion's not New Albany. So this was sticking in my head. And this is what, now listen. This is what I started thinking. Well, Marion is not New Albany. Duh, you can look on a map and figure that out. But here's the thing, you know, New Albany and Johnstown's more in a fluent area. Marion has this, and I get it, and all that stuff. But here's the bottom line. Hebrews 13.8 says this. God doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So I don't care if you live in Timbuktu or Africa or wherever you call home. If God is your God and God wants to send revival, it doesn't matter if it's Marion or in the belly of a whale. It doesn't matter. And I had to break those words because I was saying them. I said them to some of you. 
and I had to say, I'm sorry, God, I'm sorry. Because listen to what I'm trying to tell you. Life is coming out. Well, how come you're not? I had somebody ask me, well, how come this isn't flourishing the way you want? You know why? Because I was stupid and spoke stupid stuff. Well, it's not New Albany. Hello, hello. But bless God, let New Albany say, wow, that's what's going on in Marion. It's sure not. Wow. Because God is God here just like he's God there. And it's time, high time, that we gave God all the glory for everything. And let him reign and rule in Marion, Ohio. Let him reign and rule in your house. If he changes you, he'll change your house. He changes your house, he'll change your neighborhood. Changes your neighborhood. Dear God, we're going to get this city. I don't care what the culture, God will help us. If he goes with us, who can stop us? If he's for us. So no matter where you are, last I checked, Jesus hasn't lost any power. He delegated it to you and me to thrive and not just to survive. Kim and I are done just surviving. I'm sick of it. I'm tired of just like, oh, God. You know, back in the day, there were saints, oh, I'm just waiting till Jesus comes. I think we're supposed to live life so people are like, what in the world is going on with you? Because Jesus is alive and well. And we should be demonstrating the fruit and the power that he has put in us. See, in my own mind, I'm trying to justify TLC by, well, it's not, it's not New Albany. It's not this, it's not that. And I'm limiting God, or was, not now, by my mouth. And since we have upped the, the truth threshold, not that we weren't speaking truth, but we have just like taken away excuses, the enemy does not like it. I just want to say, burn, baby, burn. <laughs> I'm done with that. I'm like, God, you just do what you want. And you just have your way. Watch, watch him. We're going to see people raised from the dead, come out of wheelchairs, demons cast out. People get healed. Why? Because God did it back then. He'll do it today. He's doing it today. We will thrive. We will grow. We will build. We will declare the kingdom of God. I'm not going to give the enemy any more credit. He is, he's a creep. I'm not giving him a place of ministry here. We transfer power by our words. And lack of taking authority and the action against it. What's the purpose? We read last week, what was the purpose? God's purpose was to, remember, destroy the works of the devil. That's my father's purpose. That's my purpose. Remember last week I said Philip Wilson used to say, the devil made me do it, sugar. <laughs> Let me just say this. We have found out in this series, the devil can't make you do anything. So if you messed up, own it and move on. Get forgiveness. Figure it out. Let God help you. But the devil has zero power except what you give him. Most of us think, well, 
He got his power from God. Because he's an angel, they think he had supernatural power superior to men. <clears throat> Not true. Now, I'm going to say some things here, and I want you just to stay with me. It might shake your cage, might rattle you a little bit, but as this goes on, we'll prove it with the word. <laughs> I don't believe or think that Satan just made an attack on God trying to overcome him and that God kicked him out of heaven and cast him down to the earth. I don't think that's how it went down. Because of that, that he came into the garden, the enemy, as a super demonic power to go after Adam and Eve. I don't think that makes sense. It doesn't line up, in my opinion, with God's character in the word of God. That'd be like telling my kids to go outside and play all the while knowing there's a grizzly bear out there. Have fun. That would give me, if I had the music to the Oscars, I would play it right now because that would give me the Oscar award for moronic parenting. And the Oscar for most moronic parenting goes to I don't believe God set them up that way either. I don't think that he put Adam and Eve there while there's this super demonic that could cause them harm. So what? I think God put Lucifer as a created angel. He was there to serve them. I'm going to show you some scripture, and I'm going to show you more next week. So don't run out yet, okay? Hebrews 1.14, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation? It doesn't just say those who are, but those who will. Angels are to minister. Sent angels to minister. I believe that Lucifer was sent to minister salvation. That was his job. He went against God in the Garden of Eden. And there are people that believe Again, hang with me. There are people that believe there were others before Adam. There was a pre-Adamic population before Adam. I don't believe that. Too much liberty that man takes there that doesn't line up with the word. It goes against scripture. They get it from Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then between one and two, this is what they call, I'm just telling you, if you've ever heard this, this is called the gap theory. Glenn, you'll, you'll like some of this history. So, um, In Genesis, it's, a, it's an unknown space of time between verse one and two. This is where they, they have this gray area and they come up with this. One in, uh, Genesis one, verse two, the earth was without form and void. Darkness was on the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. That's where they come in between one and two. They claimed that there was a pre-Adamic society, the civilization, Satan ruled over them. They became corrupt. God destroyed them. They say that the earth became void and was, uh, wasn't created that way. They say God judged them, and that's where Satan was thrown out of heaven, and all were left were the demons that Satan uses that were thrown out with him. I think that's a lot of stretching. Uh, and I think they're reading way too much in that, and I don't believe that's what the verse says. Romans 6.23 makes it pretty simple. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Scripture says that sin is what caused death. Combine that with Romans 5, 12 to the end of the chapter. Five times it says death entered the earth through one man, Adam. And, and then through that came all the effects of it on the rest of the people. The Bible teaches that sin is what caused death in this earth. 
If evolution was true, we would still be evolving. It would be dependent on that cycle, but things would come and it would just be different because they would just evolve, evolve, evolve. We didn't come from monkeys. It's not Bible. It clearly states death entered the earth through one man's sin, Adam. So 623 of Romans proves that the pre-stuff really isn't true. So I now I, I need you to stay with me. It's real quiet. I'm stretching you. But everything I'm telling you, I'm getting from here. And I want you to look at it. And I'm going to give you more in the weeks to come. Ezekiel 28, 12 through 19. Son of man, take up lamentation for the king of Tyre and say to him, Thus says the Lord God, you are the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You are in Eden, the garden of God. Now right there, that shows you that this isn't talking about the physical king. It's talking about a demonic power that worked through him. When God expelled Adam and Eve out of the garden, Genesis chapter 3, he put a cherub there to guard it with that flaming sword that went in every direction to keep people from coming back to the garden of Eden and eating from the tree of life and living forever. Nobody has ever seen the garden of Eden since the time of Adam and Eve, and yet this says the demonic power had been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering, that's a description of how he was in the Garden of Eden. Uh, he was not in his fallen state, so just hang with me, but still in a glorified state, and he had all these beautiful stones, and it goes on to list sardis, topaz, diamond, on, I can't even say that right, I don't know, onyx, that's probably right, jasper, sapphire, and it goes on. The workmanship, uh, uh, your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day you were created. So he's talking about a created being. Some commentaries say that his body had pipes in it like a musical instrument, like if you could picture an organ with pipes, I, I, you know. Uh, but that's where people have taken this and said that Lucifer, he was the choir director of heaven or the music angel, and where all of that comes from. Verse 14, uh, you were the anointed cherub who covers, uh, and here you see he's a cherub. In Ezekiel 1 and chapter 10 of Ezekiel, they go into great lengths describing cherubs, and they're not little fat babies with their bottoms showing, shooting arrows and playing harps. They're mighty warrior angels. And it says, I established you. You're on the holy mountain. You walked back and forth in the midst of the fiery sto stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. And it goes on. So I'm, the Bible is so deep compared to what we've just learned as, as, little, as little kids. And, and again, we'll keep running in the scripture, but God created heavens and the earth. He created angels. He created Adam and Eve. Then Adam and Eve, after them, they weren't created the same. They, they procreated. And uh, so offspring off the created beings. So the cherub, my point is, I believe, is the enemy that he was talking about there. And it's referring to him in this state before he fell in the Garden of Eden. So back in the beginning, God didn't put his children in danger. That would be irresponsible, be against his character. Lucifer was there originally... I believe to minister for them, not against them. And then he, he went bad. <laughs> he had no power to use against them. He'd have to yield to them and submit. And then he jumped ship and obeyed God. You know, and there's five things in the Bible where he's I, I, I. And, and we'll get into some of that stuff. Um, but the reason it gets twisted, because it, it allows people to believe in evolution and to believe in all these other things. 
You don't need the Bible to disprove evolution. Science will do that. <laughs> they have enough to, to disprove that. So there's no way we evolved over millions of years. Many like to just, I like this because it helps me get along with everybody. I can embrace everything. Let me just share, when I worked at Honda, I had a guy that said, do you really believe all of this Bible stuff? I said, I do. He said, do you understand everything? I said, I don't understand everything. Do you know how it all works in the timeline? Probably, no, no. He said, explain dinosaurs. Millions of years old. They're bones. They've done studies. They're millions of years old. But according to the Bible, this is how old the earth and man should be. Explain that. And it was at the end of the day, I said, okay, I'll, I'll come back. We'll talk about it tomorrow. He said, okay. His name was Terry. So he was always trying to get, you ever have anybody that's always trying to get you? He just wants to push your buttons. If he can get you mad, he's like, woo-hoo-hoo. Sounds like Tigger. <laughs> so I went home and I prayed and I asked God, and here's the answer. I came back, and this is just, now this is, Breadology, okay? <laughs> Just saying. So if you Bible scholars are on it, this is what I feel the Lord wanted me to tell him. You want to say, how did he get that? I went home and I prayed in the Spirit. And this is what I came to my heart. So I asked him, I said, Terry, yeah. He said, yeah. stumped you, didn't I? I said, let me ask you a question. God created man, right? He goes, yeah. I said, What's the age of a man? He said, oh, I don't know. I said, let's just, let's just, just for putting a number on there, let's say, let's say you'd say if he was 25, Adam would be a man. Yeah, you'd be a man. 25, yep. Okay, let's say Adam's 25. God created Adam. Yep. If scientists were to research Adam's bones, what would the age of those bones be? He said, well, I said, how old was he? He goes, 25. His bones would be 25 years old. I said, but we just said God just created him. He said, I don't like that. But isn't that not true? Adam wasn't born as an infant. He was created. But his bones would say he'd been walking the earth for 25 years, but he had not. So I told him that, and I said, now, I'm not saying that's all verbatim. I'm just telling you that's probably the gospel of Brett, kind of. But it made, like, I felt good about it. I felt a peace in my spirit. I felt that's what the Lord wanted me to tell him. But what happens is we just need, we just want to get along with everybody. Jesus already said there's going to be a narrow road. And not everybody's going to make, because we like this big, wide road. My friends, you can't walk the way of the world and make it all. You're going to have to find out where that balance is. Sometimes just telling people the truth, if you tell it in love, it works on them. The enemy's after the word that's planted. That's what he wants. Because if that plants in you, it grows. You meditate on it. You nurture it. 
If you read on verse 16 and go clear to 19 uh, of Ezekiel 28, it, it talks about, you know, basically God pulling, saying, this is it. This is what you've done. It says in one of the verses, I brought you, I brought fire from your midst. It devoured you. I turned you to ashes upon the earth. The sight who saw you, all who knew you among the peoples are astonished at you. You have become a horror and shall be no more forever. We have to understand what authority means and what dominion means and how we are to walk in that. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm almost finished, and I'm going to come down, and I'll pray for anybody that wants prayer. And I don't want you to think, I'm not going to preach you anything. I, I got that scripture out of the Bible. It's not just there because we just don't ever want to read it. I'll show you as we get more and more into where, and, and we'll prove all of what we're saying. Every word of the Bible is true. Yes, he was cast out of heaven. Yes, for the five eyes and tried to do all that. Yes, we'll, we'll get to all, you know, we'll figure, we'll do it. But I want you to understand how loving your God is. I want you to understand that there's nothing that he doesn't catch. There's nothing that he won't do. And there's nothing that you could do to make him love you more or that you've done to make him love you less. I heard a story once, and I, my understanding is, I may not have it completely correct, but it, <laughs> it is based, I believe, on a true story. It was in California, I think. But there was an, an earthquake, and there were kids in an elementary school. And the building, there was an earthquake, and the building had collapsed, and the kindergarten kids were inside. And the rocks had fallen over and, you know, it was on the news. And they had determined from the looks, their senses, the looks and, and the devastation that appeared that nobody could survive that. And they were reporting that all of the little students were lost. They had, people had come, the earthquake was done and they'd came to the side of the, the school that had crumbled and fallen in and the police had put up caution tape, do not, do not come in. And they were trying to keep everybody back because it wasn't safe. And a father had gotten the report and he raced in his car because his daughter was in that school. And he got and worked his way to the crowd and he saw the caution tape. And the officer said, you cannot go past this. It is not safe. We're not allowing anybody past that. The man pushed the officer aside, went under the tape, ran to the rubble, and started trying to pull rocks off. Other people began to help him under the tape, went, and together they started pulling rocks off. And they were moving things. They got pry bars. They moved stuff. And they heard a faint. And they said, here, here. And they, they moved that up. And they moved this rock and there were all of those kindergarten kids were trapped in this small thing. And the little girl turned to her teacher 
and to her students. And she said, I told you my daddy would come. May I tell you this morning that no matter how much rubble you are in, your father knows where you are. But you, like that little girl, have to take authority and know whose you are. Whose you are. If I could say I did anything right, I love the Lord. I married well. And my children have never doubted my love. I just feel that God just wants you to know. I know you've been through some stuff. But he knows. I'm trying to tell you the answer is in your dominion and authority. He gave it to you. No matter what you see, what you think, what you hear, what you taste, what you smell, what does God say? That's what you believe. Nobody could survive that. They did. Nobody could walk across the Red Sea, but they did. Nobody could walk on water. Peter did. Nobody could feed 20,000 people, but it happened. Walls don't just fall down because people walk around the city six times and on the seventh day shout. But yet there are records of that. And they've even, scientists have even proven the walls fell down flat. Nobody can be thrown into lions and them not be hungry like that. But it happened. Nobody can put mud on somebody's eyes and let them see. Nobody can raise the dead. Once you're dead, it's just over. You're just food for the worms. But yet... In Jesus, it can happen. Because life and death is in your mouth. I'm just trying to tell you, I would not be here. But I had a praying wife that stood in the gap when I think the enemy was just saying, it's over. In spite of the dreams God has told me for TLC, in spite of the things... I remember laying on that table and I remember telling her, you, you tell my kids, our kids, that I love them. She just started speaking in tongues and God bind you, spirit of death in Jesus' name, and just started going on and on. She wasn't a, she didn't care. She didn't care if anybody heard her. She wanted it was not about that. She was fully persuaded. And the sheets were coming through with all of the whatever they got me. had me all hooked up. That's kind of an embarrassing thing when you're just strapped and laid out for the whole world to go, Hi, how you doing? And the guy said, Are you guys seeing this? Because all of the readings started changing. And he turned to her and said, Lady, I don't know what you're doing, but don't stop. you got to understand, there's stuff the enemy's trying to do to make it just come over you and just overwhelm you. But you've got to fight. You've got to put yourself in the place that God puts you. You gotta stand in those shoes of authority. And you got to stop the storm. You got to speak to it. It's voice activated. 
you got to tell it, listen, this is the day you stop today. Goliath, today you are going down. Brett, I've never done that before. Well, tell the enemy there's a new sheriff in town. Put your badge on, Barney Five. Get the bullet out of your pocket. It's time to do some damage. I didn't know it was going to go like this. <laughs> Would you bow your heads, please?